Welcome to the Words Over Ice Show. Have a drink, whether glass mug or styrofoam. Get my best up to Ray, he's the right host. And Matt James on a sarcastic tightrope. Then there's Jason, full of opinions. Co-host with brains and the boldest intentions. Ali, that's the man making profits. Greg and Duke join us talking controversial topics. You know it get real in these interviews. We talk about it all when we bring a news. Rolling with the punches, a one-two combo. The Words Over Ice Show. Let's have a convo. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, Jason and I are going to speak with Chris Molina, who is a speaker and author of a book about leadership. So we're talking about leadership and parenthood and all kinds of good stuff. So stick around. It's going to be a good one. Make sure you're following us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's at the Words Over Ice Show. And then everything is on our website, wordsovericeshow.com. Hope you enjoy the show. Let's get into it. So I guess first and foremost, congratulations, right? You're a, a new father. Was well, it four, I, four months, five months? I, I am. We're, we're on four months. We just had our four-month checkup. She got some shots yesterday and then took a bunch of naps on top of me. So That's awesome, uh, man. That's yeah. awesome, dude. Thank you. Thank you, by the way. Yes, congrats indeed. Just in time to celebrate your first uh, Father's Day, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, my wife asked me what I wanted for Father's Day, and um, uh, I don't think I. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I mentioned to you guys, um, but I'm a stay-at-home father first and foremost, and then everything else comes after that. Um, right. And so I just asked for some free time to do something that I want to do by myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you loud and clear, brother. Uh, just, just leave me alone. Yeah. Can I? Can I get one day? <laughs> I don't even. Just give me like four hours there you go there you go (laughs) you need it man it's important to get that that you know that me time to do do the things you love to do indeed yeah yeah keeps you from going going kind of crazy do you guys have any kids yep Mm -hmm. both of us yeah i have a i have a nine-year-old son i have a seven-year-old daughter Okay, you guys are way ahead of me. I'm on the, <laughs> on the four month uh, right now, but uh, yeah, I'm, I used to think that I was a pretty busy guy and I kept myself busy. Now I wonder what the hell I did with all my free time. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, and any I don't even know if I'm in the seat to be giving advice, but the only advice I can give is you know be their friend and just te- you know te- teach them what I mean, you, you sound already like a pretty stand up dude, so. Teach them what you know and how to be better. You know. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's actually something. Uh, I was a part of a project here recently that uh, kind of is exactly talks or talks exactly about that, and uh, it was called raising global leaders. And uh, this uh, um, this woman, uh, I, I forget her name, it was about a month ago. It's probably the sleep deprivation that I can't remember. <laughs> but um, she uh, she interviews people uh, um, to try to um, she interviews experts to try to get advice on how to raise your children to be better leaders. Mm-hmm. And so um, she had a lot of people that uh, would help with the early development, and then like mid school, and then high school, and then. Um, she brought me on to talk about the college and after college aspects. And um, that was kind of the one, one of the things that I spoke about was that parenting and parenthood is the ultimate form of leadership. Because whenever I talk to these college kids and we really get down to the nitty gritty of why did you act this way? Why did you decide to act like this in this leadership position in this situation? It more times than not comes back that this is how my parents acted in those situations. Yep. So yeah, you, you, you guys are definitely right on. Yep, because that 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 instant reaction to one mistake leaves a mark in their mind where 
if they make another mistake anywhere near that, they're not going to react the same in telling you the truth. They're going to, you know, divert one way or another. Yep. If you blow up over something so small or just all the time blowing up on them. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I wanted to say, uh, thank you for telling the world and being a stand up father for your daughter being, um, saying it proudly being a stay, a stay at home father. Cause I did the same thing. I, I quit my job right when we knew she was coming, the job that I had at the time. But sure. luckily I, I, I was able to, cause I'm into a whole bunch of things. So the career that I have allows me to have free time and whatnot, but, um, it, it's, it goes unappreciated for stay at home fathers. Cause then people start looking at you a certain type of way. They question like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, Yo, like, what's the like? What's the difference? Steady um, daycare. Yeah, you know, it, it's like, but, but it's like, it's it's in our society that it's a stigma where a father shouldn't be the one staying home and you know yeah. changing diapers and cooking the food and cleaning the house and doing that kind of. But that you know what? That's a reality check into what type of man you really are, and if man, you have I, a, a big ego, you know. Yes. Yeah. And and I, it it takes a lot for me to put aside that big ego, like mm-hmm. coming from coming from somewhere that uh, wasn't the the best neighborhood, and then and then being in the Marine Corps, going into the the um the the civilian world, trying to do college, and yeah. just all these things that like I built up this chip on my shoulder, and now like I hear exactly what you're saying because even if they don't say it in their words and their body language it's always yeah. in the back of my mind of like oh he's a stay-at-home dad what's wrong with him right like looking at these people like shut the fuck up you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah they didn't even say anything but it's in my right head. <laughs> right right but you know what else too is your relationship with your daughter is so vital because fathers and daughters relationships not to say that fathers mm-hmm. and sons aren't different but you, we've all heard the term it is different we've all it is like, I, I think it is but we've all heard the term daddy issues with girls you know what i'm saying then she turns mm-hmm. into a stripper and shit you know what i'm saying so it's like <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's like you, your your relationship with your daughter is going to help her in so many ways that you only like we i still don't get it yet i have an idea of when she gets older with the things that she's already going to know and understand about what a man should do and shouldn't do in certain situations you know so you're solidifying there's definitely definitely a different relationship and different yeah, dynamic dude. with fathers and sons like yep. i'm very very close to my son but he's still you know, yeah. mama's boy. Yeah. He's still mama's boy. And I think we can all relate. Like, you know, like Jay, your mother's your best friend. Yep. And same here. So it's, it's just a different dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And isn't it crazy that just anybody can be a parent? Like, I have yeah. to, I got to go to the, I got to go stand in line at the DMV. I got to take a test. I got to register, get license plates and all this stuff just to drive a car. But if you can have sex, you can have a kid. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Well, I think that that's the difference between being a parent and just being a, a fucking baby maker. You know. Sure. Yep. It, it is. It's a. It's a crazy dynamic that this thing parenting and and especially in this time period that we're living in. But you're right, Chris. I, I know Jason and I had an episode. I don't know a couple months back about education and the flaws in education and the education system. And I think it boiled down to at some point in that conversation, we we're just like, man, it's. At some point, it's it's our job to teach this kid, right? School is only going to get them so much. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you can only learn so much from school, but it's our job to get them prepared yeah. for the world. And it's our job to really teach them. And you're right. Like, the ultimate platform of being a role model and leadership is it starts at home, starts yeah. with that, those parents. And, and I think there are some parents that, 
or just some people that take that the wrong way of, oh, I that are you saying that a parent needs to teach their kid everything? And that's that's so far from the truth. Like you don't need to be an right. expert in physics to have a good um, child right. that understands right. science. <laughs> but right. you do need to help them give a foundation for everything that a, a normal functioning adult understands. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's basically where where it comes down. And and for me talking about leadership. That's where that that's where the problem starts for me is is right there in the home and then it just continues to be a problem um, in their life after that. So, um, yeah. uh, asking you guys about your background, um, uh, did you guys go to college or, or what? I don't I don't want to probe too deep if you guys don't want to talk about it. But uh, like, what uh, would you guys we're, do? We're, oh, you, we're open books. You, you've heard okay. our episodes. We don't we don't give a shit. <laughs> go ahead, Ray. You go first. I know. I never graduated college. I attended um, sporadically. I went to college here and there, but I never. I never graduated. I have no degree. Okay. In anything. Okay. Grad graduated high school junior year early. Um, school was always easy for me. Uh, but I just got into situational, like a lot of us got into the working world, uh, right away. I mean, throughout, I mean, even as early as I could, I was working, mm-hmm. uh, got off on my own pretty, pretty early. Um, made it, made a pretty good life for myself. Uh, pretty, you know, I have a, a job that, that works for me, um, where I'm not a slave to the nine to five type of thing and, mm-hmm. and doing pretty well, you know, and, and I, yeah. I, I did that all without college not to not college because college is is valuable for for some but uh there's definitely other paths you can take if you're motivated and, and driven absolutely okay yeah um pretty much ray and i are like almost identical in that as where okay. i went to college as well and i have policy left for my business degree but i had a family issue uh my father passed and i said fuck it so i packed my stuff and left and i left like so quick that my roommate didn't even know i was gone so yeah, I swear to you, I, I went to University of uh, Charleston, West Virginia, and I hated that place because it was so it, it was so racist down there. The the principal was about oh, to be sued for not having a uh, a diverse demographic. So what's he do? He goes ahead and just kind of, for lack of a better term, imports a student body from Jamaica and China straight from there. Chinese uh, people that don't even like they don't know anything wow. about america they're coming here and he's just throwing them in the school because he needed to fill the quota so i had trouble there the whole time um but like i said i just i can't even go back because i owe him too much money and credits don't transfer so i was like fuck sure. school you know <laughs> but, yeah, but, and honestly sometimes it's not for everybody like well, and that's a, that's one thing too that i i have a problem with the whole education system of like uh i was in the military when uh, president obama was in office Mm-hmm. And, um, like there are a lot of things that I saw that I agreed with. I'm happy he did. And some things I didn't just like every president, but one thing that I think was good intention, but had negative repercussions was throwing all this money at colleges or students to go to college and yeah. saying that people need four year degrees. Well, that's not for everybody. And then you have these right. people trying to go to college that, um, end up not going or not finishing. And then not, mm-hmm. not that that's right. you at all, but, um, but what about vocational skills? What about exactly. trade schools? What about actual, like, okay. I, I, I come from a family that's highly, highly educated. My sister's got a juris doctorate law, like law degree. My si- other sister's got a nuclear medicine degree. They, like she works for the government. My sister's working for this high level firm. And then there was always me was like, I just, I played basketball. That's the only reason I went to college was <laughs> okay. to, play, to play ball. Otherwise, what, what I, position? I, would, 
I was a point guard, two guard. Okay. Um, and otherwise, if it wasn't Nasty for Nasty Hops, I appreciate that. If it, <laughs> if, if it wasn't for basketball, I would have just got out of high school and went straight to working. And I worked the whole time in between in junior college and stuff, taking and helping out with the family. But like to what Ray was saying was when I came home, it's lucky that I I was able to bounce into a career in automotives. A buddy and I run a shop out here okay. in Illinois. Okay. And I also have an album out now that's on like it's a full on album out on iTunes and it's it's pressed, you know. So it's like Yeah. Congrats. I was I was thank you, but I was able to focus on my my true talents through my parents being the parents that they were. And I'm trying to do the same thing they did with my daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess uh, to to come back to it, the reason why I asked is because uh, some of this might be familiar and some of it might not be. But the when I said the problem starts at the at the home um, and then just gets worse and worse, it gets worse at the college level. And I'm, I'm more than positive that it's at the vocational level, too, if you go to a trade school or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but so. Um, there are so many more people going to college nowadays than there were decades ago. Yeah. Um, just like I had mentioned. And so you get the ambitious students that will ask the question, how do I differentiate myself? Because they see so many people around and they only see so many jobs out there. Yep. And the, the, the advice that they get back from, um, recruiters, from, from college staff members is you need to seek leadership positions or you need to get a leadership opportunity so you can put it on your resume and that'll land you the interview for the internship or the job that you want. Yeah. And that's, that's when the first problem starts because nobody tells these college students how to be leaders once they get that first leadership role. So they just say, get it, go get exactly, it. Exactly. <laughs> just go get it, go do it. And, and nobody tells them how to do it. So they start they start having bad habits because they don't, they're just shooting from the hip. They don't know how to do it and they get a bad taste in the mouth, their mouths for that. Right. And then, so that's the first problem that I'm trying to solve um, with my book. And then the second problem probably is um, you guys can relate to even more. Um, I'm assuming since you guys have had jobs, uh, multiple different jobs, you guys have had like everybody else in America, you've had a shitty leader. Oh yeah. yeah, and that, that was the thing. I was like, this fucking, this fucking idiot. How is this idiot my boss? Like, what exactly. the fuck? And so he, here's what happens. I, I've I've experienced. I've seen this in corporate America, and uh, I still keep in contact with a lot of my friends from college. Um, I was a business major, so a lot of them went into different business roles, mm-hmm. and this continues to happen. And people just nod their heads. So um, we all leave, uh, business majors and whoever you leave college, you go to a company and you become an individual contributor. So you're using the stuff that you learned in college to benefit the organization and then you get two to four promotions later and you finally get your supervisor role you get that manager title and you start managing people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Th- at that point you're probably in your mid-30s early 30s or for those super ambitious people you're in your late 20s but once that happens that's when people start buying leadership books and start going to leadership seminars right. try trying to start being good at something, trying to develop your skills after you get the position is the worst way to, to, to go about <laughs> anything. Like you say you run a shop. I'm assuming you have mechanics there. Yeah, it's me and him. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a high-end I, shop. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I mean, if, if you had to hire somebody and then they started trying to learn as soon as you hired yeah. them, like that, ne- that doesn't never make put anything to, <laughs> Never put anything together before, but we'll, yeah, come on in. <laughs> come on, bro. It's all good. Exactly. So, um, I mean, that's, that's the second problem that I'm trying to help change because um, 
uh, that that is something that I saw, and I think I was able to see that um, pretty early on in my uh, my career, just because I have the non-traditional background. So in the Marine Corps, whenever I joined the Marines, I was 18 years old, graduated in 2004. Um, I, I was in boot camp right after I graduated high school, and uh, I was in MCRD San Diego. And if you guys know anything about uh, the Marine Corps, there are yellow footprints. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as you get there, and so ever since day one, I was 18 years old in boot camp. They were teaching us leadership um, every single day. They were pounding it to our heads, and I saw it around me, and I knew leadership traits and principles. And that was because of a different reason. We needed to be good leaders because in an instant in the battlefield, you might be next up in line. Something yeah, might happen right. to somebody, and then right. you got to take over, and you don't have a chance to go to, to pause everything to and say, hey, all right, I need to go read a book real quick. Right. Um, <laughs> and so um, that was my reason, but... I see. I, I saw it every single day in multiple different organizations of nobody even cares to teach these people how to be good leaders until after they become leaders. And then that's how you get shitty bosses. Yeah. Yeah. And let me ask you this, because I've always been of the of the mindset and you're, you're absolutely right. It'd, it'd be better to hire someone to get someone into a position who's already been taught that. Um, but I was always in the mindset, if you get offered a position. You take it and you figure it out later, right? So if, like, what do you say to those people if you're offered a position where maybe you're not, you know, maybe not the best candidate, but somebody sees something in you? Because that's happened to me a few times. You say, you know, that, and I've taken on positions where I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Yeah, right? so I, I, w- I would definitely say that you, that is something that you'd have to, you'd have to weigh um, yourself to see if you have enough time and energy to devote to um <laughs> to to navigating that learning curve because your learning yeah. curve is going to be steeper than somebody else's. Would you say oh, that? Yeah. Uh, it, would you say that it could also depend on a personality type? Because there are people that are naturally quick learners and also natural leaders that uh, just get the role mentally of. Because you know, there's the two different type of leaders that one just barks orders and the other works with you. Yep. You know, um, would you say that? What he was saying is like you take the position and then you know because Ray, Ray Ray likes to play it down like he's not smart. Ray's smart as shit. <laughs> he just likes to play because he's probably like, well, if I just say this, then there's less expectation for you to be asking me questions. I don't really got to talk to you too much, so just, I'll just shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, but, but Ray's Ray's really Ray's really smart. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't be where he's at if he wasn't. He's a natural leader. Yeah. But there, would you say that it it works out in those situations because certain people are natural leaders and then other people don't work out well because they're not either not a natural leader or or they just don't have that capability of even learning how to be a leader. Yeah. I I would say that there's rarely any situation where I would recommend to somebody not take a position that they want. Right. If If you want that position, then you should take it and figure it out later. And the only reason why you might not take it is, is if you have something in your life, if you know that this is going to take 12 hours a day, of your time and you don't have that because of family or, or whatever, then you should not take it. Otherwise you should take it every single situation and 10 times Mm -hmm. out of 10, you should take that situation, figure it out Mm -hmm. later. But if you're in the other position and you're looking to hire people, then obviously you want to hire the best candidate. Um, Yeah. So, so I, I guess what, what, what I'm saying is kind of a societal organizational shift that I'm hoping to see where we're teaching our kids like i want i want leadership to be like like math or or like reading mm-hmm. like you, whenever you guys sent me an email you guys you guys messaged messaged me over um um instagram and then we can we we send a couple emails to each other there was no mm-hmm. point in those communications where you would send me an email and be like god i really hope he knows how to read 
that's not a thing like or or whenever you need to leave a tip at a restaurant you're like man i hope this guy knows how to do math or or or, or understands numbers like that's the way that it should be about leadership that's the way it should be about financial education that's the way it should be about um computer science in the future um and that that's that's kind of what i'm going for um kind of went off on a tangent there but um i I think kind of to answer your question about um um uh, uh, should you take it it's it's always yes but i i I also would like to say something about the natural leader thing i don't think that there are any natural leaders really no no i i think what you're what you're describing is a personality type extroverts versus introverts okay um generally there are uh extroverts are, are seen as natural leaders because they're good at dealing with people. Right. Um, and, and I, I'm, I'm a natural, I'm an extroverts extrovert. You put me in a group of people and I come out of there, um, with so much energy and I'm, uh, I love people. I love talking to people all the time. So right. I'm really good at social situations and leadership mm-hmm. is really just communication. So extroverts are really good at communication. Mm-hmm. Um, introverts are not so much. So they're kind of looked at, um, as not natural leaders because they shy away from communication and interacting with people. So yeah. um, I, 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 I would say that there's a conversation to be had about is there a natural, are there natural leaders or are there not? Because um, I, I think may, maybe those people that we consider natural leaders are extroverts and also they just have had good leaders around them. So that's something right. that they developed really early. Yeah. Without I, even I, knowing. I think- yeah, yeah I, th- I think it goes back to exactly. I think when you say, Jay, there's a natural leader, I think that person's been conditioned and how they were, you go back, it goes back to what we started talking about initially, right? It goes back to how they were brought up, Yeah, right? They, they learn things early or maybe they're in organized sports. Like I, I know when I, I played a lot of basketball, Jay, you did too. At certain points in our lives, we were focal points on those teams mm-hmm. that we were on. So you unknowingly took a leadership position, Yep. right? Yeah, that, I wouldn't that, consider, I wouldn't consider myself an extrovert by any means. I'm a, I'm a no. pretty... I'm a pretty quiet guy. Me neither. I'm and, an extroverted introvert. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's situational because most of the time I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm like, hey. I'm, I'm an, I'm, I consider myself an observer. I like to observe a room and then, and then I, I, I kind of game plan in my head how I attack a certain situation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't go out. I don't come out speaking. I come out listening. And I think that's what makes me or has, has propelled me into a leadership position and why a lot of people look to my leadership because I'm a very good listener. And I think people find that I'm, I'm very genuine and listening to what they have to say and that I care. And I think that's a big component of being a, a really good leader as well. <laughs> you're, so easy, you're so easy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just like talking to him so much. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but no, I, you, you touched on something too that, uh, that's in my book. Um, and I mentioned my book before. It's, it's called um, I'm in a Leadership Role, Now What? And it's specifically focused at college students. Um, because I think that's a, that's where a lot of our problems are. But um, mm-hmm. you said people know that you care, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that I think so many people get wrong, especially you get a kid that's graduated out of a, a college that is about 21, 22, and let's say they're in some type of leadership role within a group. Like mm-hmm. they get this wrong nine times out of 10. So whenever um, um, – you're put in a position or, or let's say you have a new position um, that, that's opening up and you find yourself in it. Most people think that the way to put their best foot forward to show that they're a good manager or a good team player is to show that they're competent, 
that uh, they 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 know what decisions to make, and uh, they have the they have the skills for the job, right? That kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but there's a there's another part of it of of the caring part, and that has nothing to do with competency, and that is something that a lot of people uh, miss is the 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 competency part because um the what was it it was uh in the in 2002 i want to say um there was a a study done that went into two things it went into competency and warmth and those two how they work within each other and they they the the study found that initially most people care whether you're warm or not whether you care about their feelings more than they care about if you're smart mm-hmm. and so there's always a disconnect when people are looking at you and you're talking and you're in that leadership role and the first thing you lead off with is well this is what we need to do um yeah. i've done this before this is this is where we need to go and uh and more, and more of the same exactly i think that's missing and that's not for everybody like if, if i have a if i have a gunshot wound and uh, <laughs> somebody hops out of the of the ambulance and they're like hey i really care that you're hurting a lot i'm like shut up and help me <laughs> right yeah yeah it, it's, it's situational absolutely but i mean i i've also know like i'm the first and I've, I've been in leadership roles and i've been you know sales manager and things like that um, I'm, I'm the first to tell you, I don't know something. If someone comes to me with a problem and said, I'm, I'm not that type of leader who says that, that I need to know everything. Right. You know what I mean? There's, and there are those, there's types where they're the end all be all. Well, they see it as a weakness too, to admit yeah. that they don't and, know the answer right away or right, you know, right. right. And I, I make it known right away. Like, Hey, we're in this together. Like I may be in this position. I may be the, the you know, the point man, uh, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. but don't by any means don't think I, I am you know, better or on a <laughs> higher platform than you. Cause we're in this together ultimately, right? We're going to do this together. And we're in my eyes, we're all equal, no matter what the hell the position is, because if you don't do good, I don't do good. You just, right? you just play it off. Like, damn it, Randy, again, you stupid piece of shit. <laughs> just so you can get some time to think like you dumbass. No, go to your Randy. office. I'll be there in 15 with an answer. <laughs> Jump on Google and shit. Like, oh, okay. Good. Randy's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's that's something else that uh, a lot of people do is is trying to. I think they think that they're doing it right because they're like trying to root cause the problem and see where the problem is, and then correctly assigned who where the problem is. Yeah. And within that, they start pointing fingers. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I saw that is because um, I graduated from Purdue University, and there are tons of engineers, and so you get these really really smart people that that one of the things that they do is root cause and they find out what's wrong with something so they can engineer the problem out of it. Mm -hmm. But when you do that socially, you start pointing fingers at people and that starts to create um, um, just messing up the entire team atmosphere. From my, uh, from my understanding um, with a sibling that works in the uh, architecture world, architects are the exact same as engineers then. Yeah. They they have this uh, it's for lack of a better term an ego. Like, you know, a really big one. If you don't have my degree or if we have a problem, whatever I say is right. And whatever you did to get to this problem, it's on you. It wasn't on me. When there's a team, you know, engineering or when there's a team uh, creating a, a landscape uh, for architecture, you know, base or to build even just a park or, or buildings, whichever one. Sure. But, yeah, it, it comes from that 
that ego where, you know, it's like, you got to admit sometimes we don't all know everything. And that's, that's a sign of a good leader that it's like, okay, I don't know that, but you know what? We're going to jump into this shit together and we're going to figure this mm-hmm. out. Yep. It, it's crazy how like those, those, those really, really smart people that have these highly technical degrees, the only thing that, that, that sets them apart from everybody and, and put them on the path for extreme success mm-hmm. is the ability to communicate. Right. Yeah. Like that's right. it. Right. And there was, there was a saying, so I worked at John Deere and, and they're highly, they have tons of engineers and there was always a saying that I loved and I used it a lot. They said, what do you call an engineer who can communicate with somebody else? President. The, yeah, the, the answer is, <laughs> the answer is boss. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of crazy. And that, I mean, that's a, that's also another thing that I, um, I put in my book and it was a, one of the first things that I wrote whenever I got to the chapter on leadership was, um, was it was it's called um own the blame share the praise right and right and i i could not like that was the first thing that i wrote about because that was that was one thing that i think is missing in our society a lot is is people being willing to own the blame and being able to share the praise because when something good happens and you're the leader and your team did well yeah. if you have that person that doesn't really understand leadership they're going to just pump their chest and pat themselves on the back take that bonus and, and be on their merry way and then and then when something goes wrong back to what we were saying they're just pointing fingers yep yeah like that that goes back to for my references uh in in sports uh, win a game, cheer with everybody, lose a game. I put the blame on myself, you know what I'm saying? Or, or stick up for other players that were getting reamed out with shit and be like, yo, that was on me. You know what I mean? Cause so if I'm, I'm supposed I'm, to be floor general, then that's what it is. You know? Yeah. I'm curious about your guys's uh, take on, or your, yeah, your guys's opinion on this, because, um, I did, I played a lot of sport sports growing up when I was in high school and junior high, but, um, it was a really crappy, um, area. So there was, there were not many sports. And mm-hmm. the, the, basketball was the only thing. And I was like, I was less than five foot and under a hundred pounds. So I wouldn't play in anything. Um, <laughs> um, but um, um, one thing that I, I, I think I have noticed is that <clears throat> whenever we talk about college, whenever I talk about college students coming out and needing leadership development, um, I don't see the student athletes needing as much development in leadership mm-hmm. as other students. And do you guys think that's accurate and if so why is that you want to take ahead, it jay i know no, you, you you went through college I mean, with this so I, you, I think, you know better I think than that me. there's well one you got to balance school and and uh and sports you know what i mean your academics and your sports they go hand in hand so mm-hmm. you learn how to be uh i want to say not self-reliant but you put you put the responsibility on yourself to take care of your business so you're already self-motivated to to make sure that you're straight and then you get into the sports side of things. And I mean, some coaches are worse than other, but you are getting yelled at. You are getting corrected and, and molded into a person that has a very strong mind to make a mistake and keep going, make a mistake and learn from it. Um, teacher, your teammates and always be there. It's like a camaraderie thing. So you already have a, a teamwork set in your, in your mind um, that it resonates into everything that you do. When you like, if you go from your practice to, to class and you're uh, somebody that's in sports, nine times out of 10, I would think that you would automatically get a group project together and become the leader in that group project because you know how to work with people and assign roles and make a team work, you know, like clockwork. So I think that that's part of the reason why when you see an athlete come out 
whether they make it or not, um, with an understanding of what it means to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to do right when nobody's looking. Uh, what's that? Yeah, integrity. Integrity. It, it teaches you integrity 100% across the way. So with that, just with that one trait, integrity, to do the right thing when nobody's looking, mm-hmm. it, it just sets you in a path to be successful on whatever you want to put your head to. Because whether or not your boss is looking, you're automatically going to do what you're supposed to be doing. You're not going to need to be ushered along and motivated. So not only do you think that uh, student athletes get unique leadership development during their college days, you also think that probably that's the uh, uh, employers should look at those people as somebody to hire over somebody that doesn't have that experience. I wouldn't say hire over because um, the experience is is very key, but uh, the experience in that field, uh, there could be somebody that was not uh, in sports and they could be just naturally better at the job. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you could hire somebody that has better experiences being a leader and maybe less experience or not experience, but less talent or, and experience in that field of work versus somebody that has more talent in the field of work and experience and maybe not be the better leader. But saying you know like I mean? all things are equal. Yeah. Somebody that has that is. Oh yeah. Well definitely. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to, you know what I noticed looking back, like if I look back at, and this is why I'm putting my kid through sports and making it such a heavy focus. And it's not that I want him to be an NBA athlete. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 5'10". He's not going to, he's not going to, and we're 5'10 in Puerto Rican. He's not going to the NBA. You know what I mean? So you crazy. It's not, it's, it's not that I need him. I mean, I'm pushing him to, to be, you know, be all pro or anything. It's, it's the value, right? The, the communication skills you particularly in basketball, Yep. but, but in, in, in every sport basketball more so, cause there's, it's more of an open flow, right? Um, <laughs> no, football normally is like, Ugh, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> football, you're, just, you're, you're, you know, you spread out wider. There's more people and there's a lot of communication. Absolutely. But in basketball, it's constant communication yeah. because you're, you're in such close quarters. Mm-hmm. So um, the communication skills that you learn are, they're just, you'll carry with them, you know, throughout your entire life. But what the point I'm getting to is when I look back at people at the, the kids I played basketball with that were with me and took the game seriously, because you'll have people who play sports, but don't take it seriously. And there's obviously good and bad in anything you do, right? The good and the bad seeds, but the kids I remember playing and not necessarily that they were the best athletes or that they went anywhere with it, but that, that they played throughout middle school and high school and were on every team and went to every practice and took it seriously and had a genuine love and dedication to the game. I look at what they're doing now. They're all very successful. Mm-hmm. All of them. So th- there's, and I, I don't know. I haven't researched it. I don't know that there's a, you know, the research to back it, but I would bet my life that there's a correlation there that people who genuinely take sports seriously and go through that system have a, a higher, I don't want to say potential, but, but the outcome is, is, is better. And like I said, everyone I look back on, they're all doing really well. In and their uh, maybe it's that uh, they, they mature faster because one thing mm-hmm. that I talk about in my book and whenever I'm talking to college students in general is that you're not going to be less successful than other people if you, if you start leadership later like everybody else. But mm-hmm. you're going to see your peers that are doing that now and you're not. You're going to see them just propel past you. So right. you might get to where they're going to be at, but you're going to do it at a later date. 
just mm-hmm. because you didn't um, do this sooner. So may- maybe it's just that the those kids uh, they mature faster because of sports too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. For me personally, uh, I didn't play sports when I was younger. I started when I was in high school, and um, it was my mother pushed me for the the sports. She was like my biggest supporter when I got to high school with sports and whatnot. But before that, my father had me in Cub Scouts, and he would make me, you know, do the the pack leader talks, and then he'd make me be the front runner, the point man, like Ray said, for selling the wreaths during Christmas time or whatever we were pushing and hawking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it taught you leadership skills and, and communication skills because I'm cold knocking on people's doors. And, you know, th- this is me in, the, what, the 80s? So it was still pretty racist around here. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm knocking on a whole bunch of white people's doors. And then I got my dad. He's 6'5", like 220, black man, like, you know, darker skin looks your your typical what you would call a black man. Mm-hmm. And he's standing at the end of the, the driveway. So they open the door, they look at me, and then they look at him, and then they look back at me, and then I got to start talking because I'm I, I'm no I'm already at, I'm already at like <laughs> seven or eight because my parents told me they they hit me to the shit of where we lived at when I was real young because they had to you know people of color with their children you have to have that talk. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm already knowing like. 90% of the time what they're thinking. So I, I just start talking to them to get them to stop the wheels, stop turning on what they're looking at and it's who they're looking at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then I started just like selling and selling. So I was always able to talk to people because I was taught at a young age. Don't, don't worry about what they think. Speak your words. Like you'll never get fed or you'll never be successful if you don't open your mouth, you know? So that that's where I got my ability to, to, just be open and talk to anybody if I'm in the mood to talk, which, like I said before, most of the time when I'm out, I'm quiet as hell. <laughs> you know, I got my, I, I leave my shades on in the supermarket. I'm not trying to talk to anybody. You know, so, so you're saying you were scarred at a very young age. Oh yeah, you know, like it's just I don't, I, I see the value in speaking to one another, but it, I've had very different. Uh, uh, reactions when I start speaking to people because they don't uh, they look at me a certain type of way and then I open my mouth and I sound nothing like what they think I'm gonna sound like you know I, I kind of had that too so uh well first off Ray you just crushed my dreams for my kid because I'm Puerto Rican <laughs> and, and I'm 5'7 oh man <laughs> man my kid's gonna do nothing according to Ray man, no. get, him in, get him in baseball right away man <laughs> that, that's our sport <laughs> or, or boxing yeah, yeah, boxing <laughs> yeah. or baseball—that's that's what we got to stick with, man. <laughs> uh, no, no, but uh, yeah, I, I hear exactly what you're saying because I'm, I'm 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 Puerto Rican, and actually I'm Puerto Rican and Trinidadian, and um, I don't know if you guys know Trinidad, but there are yep. three, yeah, there yep. are three races down there. There's a uh, mm-hmm. there's African, there's Indian, and Chinese, and I'm on the Chinese side. So generally, whenever I open my mouth and I start talking and and I'm able to enunciate and and I have a deep voice, I I look like I'm a kid. Like people don't expect what's coming out of my mouth to come out of my mouth (laughs) at all. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, we, we started talking about communication and, and I'm curious to get you guys' uh, thoughts on this too, because whenever I talk to college students, this is one thing that I lead off with when I talk about communication, because if, if, and if you guys want to bring me back, if you guys ever want to talk about kids these days, I will mm-hmm. defend kids these days on almost any topic. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think, I think people are so misunderstood, like the 19, um, the, the 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20 year olds and 21 year olds. They're so misunderstood because everybody talks about 
this generation with such a negative connotation. But there's one thing that I can't defend, and that's that um, what what MIT social psychologist Sherry Turkle wrote about in her book, um, it's called Alone Together. And she said that um, because we have so much, so much text-based communication, like I said, you and you guys and, and me, we talked over Instagram mm-hmm. and we emailed and, and this text-based based communication is something that you, me and you guys didn't have when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what happens is you, I got to sit back and look at that Instagram um, DM and, and I got to send a sentence back or a couple sentences and, and put the punctuation exactly where I wanted to use words, use the exact words I wanted to make sure I didn't miss misspeak. And I got mm-hmm. to prepare my message well before I got to send it to you. And, um, Sherry Turkle, she says that because of this text-based communication where we get time to prepare a message before we send it, the muscles in our brains that are used for spontaneous conversation are getting less exercise. Mm-hmm. And, she, yeah. and she said because of that, people are not communicating with each other more, and you just don't have that spontaneous conversation anymore. Um, and I think that's a problem with leadership because <clears throat> just kind of like you guys are saying – um, with parents, if, 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 if you react to a certain situation a certain way, you're affecting your child. Well, how are they going to react when they don't even have any spontaneous conversations with, with each other until they get to the business world? Now they're in a situation where they have people coming to them for the first time saying, this is a problem. What do we do? And they, right. have, to, they have to react instantly without having time to sit back and type whatever they want to say. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, do you guys, uh, I mean, do you guys agree with that? Does, it, does that make sense? No, it makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I agree with what you said. It does make sense. I just, like, get outside more. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just go outside and see the sun or look up and see these chemtrails they're spraying your ass with. Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, oh, I, segue, I wanted to say thanks for your service um, uh, in the Marines. No, no, thank uh, you for your support, man. Appreciate I, it. I, I come from a heavy uh, military background family, so I, I know some of the things. Not everybody goes through it, but thanks thanks for that. Uh, absolutely. We've got a little uh, Marine Corps family. My wife is also a Marine Corps veteran, and uh, so is my little sister. Is the uh, the base still yellow on the outside? Uh, I think so. That was in 2004, so uh, okay. my memory kind of yeah, fading. But uh, yeah, I had I a buddy so. that went to the Marines in San Diego at that. I forgot what the name of the base was, but this was like mm, 2000. So okay, right. I live here. I'll drive by. I'll let you. There know. you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Man, that that was that was torture being in that uh, that boot camp um, because that the airport's right next to it, and you just oh, are yeah. going through hell, and you see you're seeing people <laughs> fly off every day. Yeah. <laughs> back, back to your point, Chris, that's, it's interesting the way she put it. And, and I knew, I think we can all say there's this text messaging and, and we're in the unique, I don't know how old you are, Chris, but uh, I'm later. Okay. So you, you're in our same, yeah. same ballpark. I'm, right. I'm 30, 36, but we were in that unique position where, like you said, we didn't grow up with, we didn't grow up with text messaging. Hell it no. was, if you wanted to date a girl, you had to call and talk to her father and ask for her. You know what I mean? Like yep. hope that she picks up. <laughs> yeah. Hope that she picked up. If that father picks up, you're hanging up, but you have to go knock on a kid's door to, to see, you know, can, can, you know, junior come on and play. It, it was just different. And to get your stimulation as a kid, you had to go outside and talk mm. and mingle and play sports. I, I didn't grow up in a great neighborhood either. I learned basketball on a, remember the milk crates where you oh, can yeah. cut out the bottom. 
you cut out the bottom of a milk crate, you find a piece of wood as a backboard, you nail these things to a telephone pole, and that's how we played basketball in the alley. So it, it was a different growing up, but we got to see the transition. I think it was the early 2000s or whatever it was when text messaging started coming into play, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I remember it. I remember I had the next tell the chirp. Um, I forgot what it's called. <laughs> Just doing and it even big. Then, doing it big. I even then, yeah, no, dude, I had that. And I, even then, I remember uh, Ahmed, Jason, you know Ahmed, yeah. uh, one of our one of our other uh, guy who comes on pretty regularly, a yeah. friend of ours. I remember specifically, we were in my driveway, and it's, it goes exactly to what you were saying. So, so there was a girl that chirped me, and she said something, and I heard it, and I didn't have to reply right away. Right. I didn't have to say something. I had time. And he, I remember him saying this and it just brings back this memory. He said, Oh, that's cool, man. You get to like sit on what you're going to say and come back with like something witty. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Cause that, you, so, you had a two way, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the chirp? You didn't have to, you didn't have to respond right away. Right. You could take a couple of seconds to think about what you were going to say. Right. So, and that just got catapulted with text messaging and it's mm-hmm. to the point now where if you call someone, normally it's like, what's wrong? You know, when you're like, yeah. why are you calling me? It's, yeah. it's, nobody calls anybody anymore unless there's something wrong, honestly. Or you're calling, like, your your grandparents or somebody. Yeah, that's or you're calling family. You. Like, the only person I call on a regular basis to speak to are, like, it's like my mom. Right. You know what I mean? And that's because she's in Chicago and I'm here. But, and she's old school and just not a huge texter. We'd right. probably be texting if she was all about it. But, but yeah, I mean, you think about it, and I didn't, th- I didn't put the, you know, two and two together. I knew it was a problem, and I knew kids were having... I mean, I went to a park and I saw six kids in a circle, right, at a park, but they were all on their phone playing a game with each other while they're in front of each other, but they're all staring at their phone, which is just the weirdest, it was the weirdest <laughs> image. <laughs> you know what I mean, it yeah. was the weirdest shit to me. I'm like, man, I'm like they're there, like they're present, but they're not. And still you know, not like, saying a word to each other. Yeah, not saying a word. They're, <laughs> la- they're all laughing. They're all laughing. They'll, they'll, they'll look up and like point to someone and they laugh. Oh, yeah, that was funny, but they're not talking. <laughs> so it's just the weirdest shit. But yeah, I mean, I can see that it's, it's just not exercising that muscle of, you know, I need to respond. I need yeah. to know how to have this convert, this natural conversation without right. being able to look on Google for an answer before I respond to you. Yep. You or or I mean? trying to find like a, a, the word that you like, you, you, you pretty sure yeah. you remember, but you don't know if it makes sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, I, I think that's a, that's kind of crazy. And like now I, I used to say this before I was a parent and now I think I'm, I'm still in that mindset. Um, but with you guys having kids that are much more developed than my four month old, I'm, I'm curious to get your guys' thought on this. So here's my thought is that, so I, I I'm 32 and uh, my dad was a techie growing up. So whenever like the floppy disc came out, he yeah. had the floppy disc with games on it. Right. And so like, I remember before windows was even a thing having to navigate um, MS DOS and having to mm-hmm. write commands in MS DOS on yep. a floppy disk just so that I can play the game. And because of that, I credit that with my success in the business world because I'm tech savvy the way that these other 20 year olds are not because I grew up coding right. and like I had to do those things. So, like, even though I would, I want my child to have spontaneous conversations and to, to have human interaction. Like I also don't want my 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 daughter to be left behind when everybody mm-hmm. else knows how to use technology and she doesn't. Like is do, is there a fine line that you guys oh, yeah. um balance that with? And how do you make sure? Like how do you know where? Like it, too much screen time is too much. Yeah, uh, let me weigh in real quick, Jay, because yeah, I had sure. you were you weren't on this conversation, but I had a uh, a psychologist, a screen who who deals with screen addiction. 
I had him on the on the show. And Jay, I don't think you were part of that one. No. So I, I talked to him in length about kids with screen addiction and how much, you know, when, when is it too much and how do you balance it? And his answer was, he's like, listen, he's like, there's no, he's like, I can't tell you that you can limit your child to one hour a day. He's like, cause it's not, it's not true. Right. He's like, it's really, it's situational and it's dependent on that child. He's like, what I would say is keep those screens away from babies. Right. He's like a lot, a lot of kids now, he's like a lot of parents use it as pacifier. You know, a, a, yeah. Shut up. Here's a screen. Like when you're in a grocery store, you're at a restaurant, the baby starts crying. It's really easy. I'm guilty of it. I think we all are right. Give them an iPad and they shut up. Right. But then they get in the habit of, Oh, if I cry, I get the iPad. Mm. So he said, I would really, uh, he's like, I, I encourage people to not even give them any screen time at all before the age of two or three mm-hmm. okay. and then intro- introduce it slowly. Right. Right. He's like, he's like, but there are boxes you need to check off to know if your kid's healthy, using it healthy and, you know, appropriately. He's like, if, if it's affecting their, their health and their, their overall, um, just well-being, like if they're not taking showers and they're not, you know, their hygiene, sure. like, <laughs> you little dirty bastard, get off the <laughs> <literally. laughs> He's praying like, 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 <laughs> yeah, I started, I started laughing too. He's like, honestly, dude, he's like, he's like, kids won't take showers because they do why? Because he's like, they will not leave their screen to go take a shower or wow. brush your teeth. That's crazy. Yeah. He's like, I deal with this. He's like, he's like, if, if you see a behavioral problem, right. He's like, cause he's like, you, he's like, and he gave me the situation. He's like, you can have two kids, right? Let's take two different kids. They're both playing video games for three hours right after school. They come home, they play video games for three hours. One kid after the video game will go outside, do his homework, eat, have a conversation with his parents, go to bed. That kid's fine. You don't have to worry about that. Right. The other kid might seem depressed, mm-hmm. might sit on his ass and watch TV might not want to do his homework, might not want to take a shower. Those are two different kids in two different situations you're talking about. So he's like, he's really dependent. You have to make sure that all the other boxes that are important, the social activity, homework, all the other things are not sagging, sagging off because of screen time. Right. He's like, that's the best advice I can give you. Because there is no blueprint, and it's so new to us, you know, right? As parents, we're the yeah. first parents dealing with this shit, right? It's so new to us, there is no <laughs> blueprint for it, and we really don't know what the repercussions are 20 years from now. You know, I mean, we'll have a better answer in 30 years, but I, I mean, with, with my son, with my son, I give it to him, but I make sure it's not his focus. You know what I mean? Like, and it was at a point where that's all he would think about was fucking Fortnite. It's like I had to take away. I literally, that he would, that's all he would think and talk about was Fortnite. I had to take it away because it got too much. It yeah. started affecting those other things. Yeah. There, you know the, what I mean? The games so, nowadays are definitely different to, uh, uh, for, for my personal take on it is, um, my daughter, I just put random lockout codes on, on the iPad. Uh, she really only uses it for her uh, math uh, work for school and then other uh, educational programs on the iPad. Um, if she wants to play games, I, uh, I actually play the video games with her. Uh, the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 will play fighting games. But for the most part, she wants to be outside and wants to, and she's a, a heavy book reader. That's what we, we instilled in her from day one. As soon as she, she could start talking, we started reading to her and getting her to read and it's worked out. But on the flip side, she still is tech savvy. She still knows how to work the iPads and work computers and work the TV and and the controllers and all the uh, electronics, you know. So 
I think that there is a, it, it really depends, like Ray said, on how you start them. Um, because for a little while there, I was allowing her to just get into the iPad on her own. And uh, I started to see that, you know, that was where she was gravitating towards. You know, school wasn't slipping. She was still reading books, but it was like she'd get distracted and jump on that iPad. So then, like, one day I just took it, changed the passcode, and she hasn't even asked me for it. And it's been like three months, hmm. you know. So she still gets to play the video games when she does her homework. And she's excelling at school very well, you know. So I think that it can be done, but it does come down to – I explain a lot to her. I talk to, she hangs around nothing but adults also. She doesn't, like, I have uh, neighbors next door that have three kids. I, I don't let her go over there. I'm yeah. very I'm very particular about who she hangs out with. She only hangs out with um, a couple of my friend's kids. Um, and that, that I think that has a, a, an effect, too, because I, I see when I go to other people's houses that have kids, their kids are on these iPads or constantly fucking around on a phone or they even have their own phones at her age. And I'm like, that's crazy. I would never give a seven-year-old a fucking $600 phone. You, like, <laughs> you, you can kiss my ass. Like, I'm, I'm, I call me a bad parent. I don't care. You know, like her first communication piece would be an iWatch because it has limited use. It's not a phone. Sure. She can, mm-hmm. she can make a call and I can call her and I can reach her. And also most people, if something like, God forbid, I have this conversation with people. It's like, you know, this, this whole kids and pedophiles and shit. They're no, it's less likely somebody's going to look at the watch uh, versus taking a phone away from a kid if they do try to kidnap your child. Yeah. So, you know, like put that watch on the wrist and you can find them easier. But that's neither here nor that's a whole other conversation. But that goes back to tech as well, which is the reason I said it. But no, she's she's tech savvy, but she's still a bookhead and and she wants to be outdoors digging and cracking rocks open and finding trees, saplings and all this other shit, you know. So I, I it's funny to see the difference because I think that the difference is, is that she hangs out with nothing but adults, really. Uh, versus hanging out with a bunch of kids and picking up their their habits when these other parents uh, in my personal view, aren't parenting their children how I would parent mine, so therefore I just eliminate the situation out the gate. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm really happy to hear you guys not talk about technology as it's the bad thing. No, what can we do without it? I thought it was so stupid when people would say that like TV was the bad thing or video games was the bad thing. No, your parenting's the bad thing, you lazy piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Pay attention to your kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that yeah, that annoys me every single time. I I think I jumped in an Uber once and she started talking about uh, something and and blamed school shootings on video games. No, this is that's that's you not noticing your son has a fucking AK forty second hanging out of his damn bubble coat. Like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) I was like, man, I really want to get to where I want to go, but I don't want to talk about this right now. Yeah, right. No, it's like, yo, you know what? Actually, just let me out here. I'm gonna get a lift. (laughs) 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 No, I mean technology is necessary, man. It's 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 everything. We can't do anything without it nowadays. You can't. You You just gotta accept it, and also. Like FaceTiming, I remember Total Recall? We thought that shit was crazy. <laughs> to be able to see somebody's face and talk to them, now everybody can do it. Yep. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you got you to gotta introduce them to it. They've got to be savvy with it, mm-hmm. but it's got to be controlled. Yep. And uh, otherwise, like you said, man, they're going to be left behind. And, and it's, and that's I mean, we think it's crazy too. now. We'll just wait 20 years from now, the shit we're going to have. You yep. know what I mean? So it's. If there yeah, is yeah, a, when, if there when, is a here. <laughs> yeah, when my daughter is like ten years old, I'm wondering what type of technology that there, oh, there's going to be out there. It's crazy. What, what's your book called again? Uh, book is called "I'm in a Leadership Role." Now what? 
I'm going to check that out. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. it it's, it's on Amazon. It's on uh, Barnes and Nobles. And um, here, one thing that I did with this book specifically um, was made sure that it was concise and to the point. Because if you guys have read any other leadership books, mm. man, I hate it so yeah. much. The amount of fluff. <laughs> like they're yeah. they're gonna tell me talking four, in circles, five stories about. The Let me same tell you this story. <laughs> Let me tell you the story when I was seven at the candy store. They're just, <laughs> like, they're, just filling, they're just filling pages, man. Yep, they really yep. are. I hate it. I hate it so much. So yeah, it's a. I, I've been told by many people that it's a pretty easy read. You can get through it in like two to three hours, and uh, it, it has. I've I've heard people that are in industry in leadership positions that are not college students, and and this is ba- for college students, say that they've gotten useful information out of it. So awesome. that, that's something that I, I I'm I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, man, you should be You're helping helping out dramatically. Yeah, thanks. And man. For, for people who want to follow you on social media and those other platforms, where do they where do they find you? Yeah, I would say the uh, the the. The place that you're going to get the most out of me is uh, probably on my LinkedIn. Um, and so you just search for Chris Molina or Christopher Molina, um, M-O-L-I-N-A, and search that on LinkedIn. Um, if not, I also post on Instagram. Um, that handle is C-A Molina 3. And uh, don't follow it if you don't like motivational quotes because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, thank you for coming. I do want to get you back on because I mean, we're we're running running out of time here. Sure. But I really want to dig into you. I mean, you're you're an enlightening guy. Um, yeah. Thanks, man. And you're and you're doing good things, and and you're very well spoken. I really want to dig into how we can. I mean, we kind of addressed the problem here and and spoke about it, but how we can dig in and and do some things to. Uh, to teach this and, and really get the ball rolling and, and how we can instill this. Yeah. I have, and, I have a bunch of other topics and, and, and ways that I engage uh, college students about how to become yeah. better leaders. So um, I'm, I'm more down for it. And I want to praise you guys real quick on, on, on the way that you guys are, are, are talking about the things that you're talking about, because it's not just talking about BS or, or, or politics or sports or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you guys are talking about meaningful topics and you're doing it in a way that seems very genuine that I think is missing because whenever I started my podcast, people, that were in podcasting would tell me you need to make sure that it's 15 minutes or 20 minutes and you need to have this structured and that and uh, i hate it I, i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> going more towards the conversational um interview like you guys do ironically we we still have those muscles in our brain that have a, a, a genuine conversation that's spontaneous <laughs> 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 who would have thought <laughs> yeah right. we, we appreciate that very much man it means the world to us cool awesome well thanks again guys of course. Thank, Thank you. you. You think that was cool? And that's a wrap for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Leave that five-star review if you did. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, tips, any of that stuff, email me directly. It's ray at wordsovericeshow.com. We appreciate it, guys, and we will see you next time. Thanks again.